Welcome to Spinning Back Click Reach Week here at MMA Junkie. We take a spin through the biggest stories in MMA. On this week's docket, we have a new champion in the middleweight division in the UFC. Oceana goes 4 for 3 at UFC 293. And what do UFC 1 and UFC 293 have in common? Well, we'll tell you. All this and much, much more. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Gorgeous George. And with me, as always, some of the sharpest MMA minds in the biz. Joining me this week goes from MMA Junkie Radio, the creator of SBC, Danny Segura. He's out in the 305. He's the host of Ablemos MMA on YouTube. And Nolan King, nominated for Journalist of the Year this year at the World MMA Awards. Kamikaze is on the ones and twos. Let's get to it. All right, guys. So this past Saturday night, Sean Strickland put on a masterful performance on his way to winning the UFC middleweight title. 49-46 were the scores across the board and a nasty uh, knockdown in round one. You've all had about 36 hours to let it sink in. Put it into words, this performance by the American out in Sydney, Australia. What impressed you the most about Strickland's tactics? All right, we go to the first take this week from Nolan. What, what stuck out to me the most, well, first of all, just an absolutely incredible performance. I think really just one of those moments that makes our sport, so if you want to call it a sport, our activity so much different than everything else, right? I mean, the last thing that you expect to happen happens. And, and sure, it's not every time that we get some sort of rarity like that. But for me, the fact that he was able to put that on that sort of performance on for 25 minutes is incredible, right? We've seen some pretty amazing title fight upsets. Um you know, throughout history, but it's always kind of a finish or, uh, you know, maybe a slip up from the favorite or something goes wrong for the favorite. But for him to go in there and really drive home who the better fighter was on that night to walk down Israel Adesanya for 25 minutes, to not show any fear, but to also fight smart and also do exactly what he said he wasn't going to do, which was to not use his wrestling, which he didn't use at all. So, for me, it was an absolutely incredible, incredible performance, regardless of if you like Strickland, if you don't like him, if you don't have an opinion uh, about him as a person, I think you really have to give him a lot of credit. you got to give Eric Nixick a lot of credit, the guys at Extreme Couture for just really putting together a, a, one of the most well-rounded, surprising uh, performances, upsets of all time in a title fight. So I was absolutely blown away. Um, I mean, the people in Australia were even blown away from their reaction at the end there, giving him a, a massive ovation on the final bell, a massive ovation when they announced Dan New. It was, felt like Sean Strickland was fighting at home in Australia there. Um, so just a really special night for him, a really intriguing night for us on the outside. And um, this division is certainly in a, in a very strange place now going forward. All right, Mr. Segura. Transport yourself back 36 hours, man. What were you thinking as this thing was unfolding the way it did? All 25 minutes, or maybe 24 minutes and 50 seconds, was basically on the feet and most of it out in open space. Yeah, insane. I'm still in disbelief. I'm still in shock. I'm kind of waiting to see when this kind of becomes a prank or maybe <laughs> when I wake up, it, it kind of seems unreal. I kind of had the same reaction that Sean Strickland had after his fight where he's like, this even, is this real? Can somebody punch me right now? Like, is this really happening? Um, I don't think anybody saw this coming. Uh, there's maybe some people on Twitter that will swear that they did, but, and, and how dare you discount Strickland? But uh, honestly, if you're uh, somebody that knows about mixed martial arts and on your full senses, 
you had all the right reasons to pick Adesanya to win this fight, win it quite comfortably, and even go uh, a step beyond and say that he was going to finish Strickland with ease. I mean, um, I was pretty dismissive of his chances on the MMA Junkie previous show with Farah, and not that anything against Strickland is just, it just seemed like such a tough matchup for him. Out of all the fighters that you could put in there, Strickland just seemed to have the 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 worst path to victory out of all of them. And the funny thing is that leading up to the event, we're all asking, is he going to wrestle? Is he just going to empty out his entire gas tank and try to knock him out in the first round? Like basically, is he going to be, what is he going to do? That's not Strickland like, because Strickland like things are not going to work. And not Asanya. What, what are some of the things that he's going to do to beat him? And he was exactly Sean Strickland in that cage. He did not change at all. He didn't shoot for a single takedown. He didn't mm -hmm. attempt a submission. He didn't do anything. He was Sean Strickland. He stayed at that weird range, marched him down, stayed square. That, you know, I Carly stands that people make fun of him for. And he beat one of the greatest middleweight champions that the UFC has ever had. It was an, uh, an incredible performance that, till this day, I'm still in, 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 in awe and shock. So congrats to Sean Strickland and the guys at Extreme Couture because – they pulled it off. They did it. And I'm dying to chime in here, man. I know it's Goza's turn, but I just want to add a few things. He, let's not forget, Adesanya is a former world kickboxing champion. He didn't attempt a takedown. He didn't, you know, the fight never found itself on the ground where, like, other than the knockdown. So of the two, Strickland knocked him down. We kept saying the one-hitter quitter belonged to Adesanya. Strickland's the one that landed it. The only thing I will say, Danny, is, yeah, he kind of was Strickland-like, but in a way he wasn't because he's more of the volume guy, and he kind of held back. It's almost like he let Izzy kind of run out of gasoline because towards the end he was not only – he was damaged and exhausted. All right, but this is about you guys. You guys are the stars. Goes your thoughts, man. Man, I think it was a pretty tremendous performance for many reasons, but honestly, I, I thought Nolan hit it. It's like it, it felt more like it was a team effort on Sean Strickland's side because how long for how long have we been sitting here saying this guy's uncoachable right we've heard that from many people and no i think what we I finally yeah. yeah what we finally saw on saturday was Sean Strickland and his coaching staff finding some sort of middle ground right Sean won that fight by being patient by not giving Israel Adesanya anything to work with right he hit the gas when he needed to when he saw the opportunity he struck but when he didn't have it he was patient. He was very defensive. If you look at his face, he didn't really have much damage. Now, after round two, it got a little scary because you weren't really seeing that volume that you normally get from Sean. You weren't getting too many things. And I think that's where you give Eric Nixick his props. I think he kind of woke him up. He got in his face. And I think it was the reminder. We've all heard Sean Strickland talk so many times about that Jared Cannonier fight and the decision and how he felt he won. Um, and later on, he kind of admitted that he understood it a little bit more. I think that the, I think Eric Nixick getting in his head and screaming at him kind of woke him up and told him, you can't do that coming out in round three. And Sean started to put his foot on the gas a little bit more. And I think you have to kind of give the whole team props in trying to find that middle ground, which is what maybe pulls out the best version of Sean Strickland in this fight. But uh, man, I mean, nobody was really expecting this type of fight. Like you said, George, them going toe to toe for five rounds had Israel Adesanya written all over it, but that didn't work out that way, right? So you have to give props to Sean Strickland and you have to give props to his team because I think they came together and that's what got him that victory. Yeah, you know, 
I thought round three was close because Izzy, I thought, was replicating what he did in round two. But Strickland did have some damaging shots in there. He didn't have the significant strike advantage, but he, he was a little more damaging, although not much. But it really could have been 2-1 Adesanya going into round four, even though Adesanya had suffered the knockdown and was probably the more damaged of the two. But it, it the judges' scorecards told us otherwise. We have no doubt who won rounds four and five. But, I mean, this was just simply amazing. I would have never in a thousand years thought it would go down this way, you know. And I don't think there's anyone, Danny, I don't think there's anyone on Twitter that predicted it would go down like this. Anybody that said Strickland, including Goz and I chatted with Johnny Eblen, who is the Bellator middleweight champion. He's trained with Strickland, but he kept it real, man. It has to involve wrestling. And he did give credit to Strickland. He says when Strickland gets on top of you, he's... His grappling's underrated. He's heavy, you know, but none of that, none of that happened. I don't, I, I haven't found one person. I don't mind if you took Strickland. I would have called you crazy free fight, but um, I, I haven't found anyone that says he can out kickbox him for 25 minutes. And of the two, he'll get the knockdown, which obviously that's, you know, you're not going to predict the whole thing, right? Minute by minute, but still, mm-hmm. yeah. this was just simply amazing. And the communication between the coach, you, you heard Eugene Berriman say, that Izzy was flat, or he was he just had in some universe, I guess, a poor performance, and the coaches and the and the athlete didn't seem to be on the same page, and the opposite was happening on the other corner. All right, guys, let me follow up here with a couple of things. Did Izzy have a bad night, or was just Strickland on a little bit of both? No. Yeah, it's it's one of those debates you'll always have, and I think part of it is tied into the fact that we're used to seeing Israel look so good, and even even when he doesn't look necessarily the most exciting, he looks pretty dominant. So I, I think it's tough to kind of weed or just kind of filter that out of your brain, right, knowing what he's capable of, capable of. But at the same time, I think the fact that we saw it for so long, we have to credit Sean Strickland. Um, you know, we haven't heard much from Israel Adesanya after the fight. He kind of was a bit cryptic, so quick with his media in the back, didn't really want to answer questions, posted a quick thing on social media, had Eugene answer some questions to the media, and that was it. So we don't really know exactly what what his take on the whole thing was. Did he just have an off night? Was he hurt? Uh, you know, what was it? But for me, I think a lot of the energy just with what we saw and the way it was done and the longevity that it was done, um, you have to give Sean Strickland th- that amount of credit. I feel like I see it from a lot of people, but there's a lot of people that are kind of saying like, oh, you know, I mean, we heard Dana White say it, right? Israel looks slow. He looks stiff. Um, maybe that's been the case in other fights where the champion loses that that you're like, man, they really put up a stinker there. Amanda Nunes gassed against Juliana Payne. She just didn't look right. But I, I think that this has to be more of a 50-50 split. Um, I think Sean Strickland and his coaching staff deserves a tremendous amount of credit. I can't just tack it up to Israel not having a good night. And I alluded to what Barrowman had said about Izzy and the – alternate universe in that same post-fight interview he said fight week went well training camp went well we had the right partners in there he really didn't offer any excuses the only thing he said was if we fight on tomorrow or in a week we feel like we can make the adjustments to win but on that particular night he was poor he didn't he didn't say anything about an injury or anything like that danny let me ask you this aside from the knockdown in round one what do you think was a turning point in this tactical stance uh, striking affair we'll call it what did you think might have made a difference for Strickland uh, along the way, an adjustment or a tactic or a technique. I think what gave Adesanya the the biggest problem was the range because 
Strickland operates at a very weird range. He doesn't really stay at a distance, but he also doesn't do clinch work and dirty boxing. It's like this weird in-between that a lot of people are not used to fight at. And, uh, you know, he keeps that same pace the entire time. He's constantly on your face. Um, and he just kind of keeps that that range constant. And I think that's what gave Israel Adesanya issues because at distance, he did have some success with leg kicks. Um, but once, you know, Strickland close the distance, those leg kicks weren't really there. And the looping punches, Strickland has this weird shell where like he kind of keeps his hands up in like a weird space and is able to see everything coming. Um, and I just think that Adesanya wasn't able to figure it out. He got instruction from his corner in order to, to get past that. But the instructions just ended right there, right when the bell rang. And he would just default to his normal self. So that's that's what I think is the biggest thing, the range. I, I think the person who managed the range best in that fight was Sean Strickland. And that gave him the victory. Um, but yeah, a fantastic performance by, by Sean Strickland. Great stuff by the guys at Extreme Couture and Eric Nixick. Like, really, um, few saw this coming. Few saw this coming. I mean, it was just a, a crazy, crazy fight. In fact, when when the knockdown happened in the first round and the bell rang and Israel Asanya got to see the second, I, I went, okay, this this was it. Like, Strickland kind of blew it. This was his chance to put him away. And then Adesanya does win the second round, at least in my eyes. So I kind of go, okay, you know, things are returning to normal, per se. But, uh, but no, clearly it was Sean Strickland's uh, night, and he looked great. Goes one for you. Did Izzy break in that fight, in your opinion? That's a, t- I mean, that's a really strong word. It is very possible because if you look at what happened at the towards the end of round one, it might have taken him to a place that you know caused a lot of embarrassment for him, and that was when he got knocked out by Pereira. Maybe it brought him back there, and maybe he just never recovered from that. Um, it was a very, very puzzling performance from him because he's not a guy that you ever really look at as an unmotivated fighter. But in those last few rounds, he really just looked like he he just didn't want to be there. And I, I think Sean Strickland was just as puzzled and he took advantage of it. It makes things interesting, man. Like, I think that's something that we really need to figure out on Izzy's side. One foot out the door in the chat. And I recommend if you want a question or comment, put it in the chat. Leave it a couple times. If I don't see it, don't spam us, obviously. But the the better the question, more likely it is to be included in the show. Which one of you wants to take this one? He says Izzy was outclassed by the basics. That's actually an interesting take, in a way, because Sean wasn't too fancy. He didn't unleash an arsenal, right? We, we've already talked about no wrestling, no jujitsu, no Greco against the cage or anything. Uh, is, is that is that true in your guys' eyes? Anybody want to chime in on that one? Yeah. I think, I think it's very true. There, there was just, when he says the basics, I mean, there was no bait, right? Like he would throw bait out there, but Sean wouldn't take it. And he didn't know how to adjust to that. And I think it really, really frustrated him. And that is something that, you know, that's why, like, I think somebody even mentioned it in the chat earlier. Sean Strickland was supposed to wrestle, but they have plan A's and plan B's. And I felt like Strickland had a plan A and a plan B, but Israel Adesanya just didn't have that plan B. And so when Sean Strickland wasn't taking that bait, he just looked really puzzled out there. And that's something that uh, I don't I don't think should happen at this high level. Ryan also, Parks is go ahead. Dan. George, if you don't mind me uh, um, inserting a, a couple of things here. Uh, there's two takeaways that I regarding Adesanya that I kind of leave with 
from UFC 293. One, uh, how seriously did he take this fight? We know that he had that like movie premiere the week of. I mean, that's that's yeah. a big thing to, to deal with. He was talking about Drickis. Yes, he gave uh, Strickland uh, his respects in talk, in interview, but another thing is in training and in action. And I did write on the Slack channel right before the fight started when Asanya stepped in the cage that I thought he looked a little soft. I thought he looked um, not as ripped as he normally looks. I don't know if maybe, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking too much into it. But um, and then, we, we know, we get Eugene Behrman's comments, but we know that they're always going to be classy and give, you know, Sean his respects. I, I wonder how seriously Adesanya took this fight, keeping in mind that on paper, it probably looked like one of the easiest matchups he had gotten in his entire UFC career. So I, I don't know if you guys kind of share that sentiment. We did mention that because if you watch Embedded, there was a ceremony at the park. I'm not disrespecting that at all, but it seemed like every day there was those duties of media, the um, what they have open workouts. They had uh, the press fight conference with the, the dais. And then, you know, you're signing gloves and posters and then now throw in the movie premiere. And, and I, I will give Izzy this. I saw him at the, um, the expo. He is all in when he meets people. He's one of the best. If you ever get a chance to meet him, shakes your hand, asks you your name, looks you in the eye, however you want to do it, man. You want to pose? Let's do it. He'll even follow up with a question. Where are you from? He'll put his arm around you. You want to do a selfie this way or that? I mean, I'm telling you, he's all in, and he was doing that at the premiere. But, again, you know, <sighs> look, some people will tell you they don't leave the hotel at all. It's just intense, intense, intense. I don't like interviews, nothing. And then others actually relax that way. But I was thinking the same thing, Danny. Ryan Park in the chat says everyone's performance is a team effort. Geez, give Strickland his due. You guys are coping harder than Dana. I don't think we've been disrespectful about Strickland. I think a lot of what we've been talking about and our doubts probably were pre-fight. But I think a lot of people shared it. It really had to be a perfect performance from Strickland, who, again, has and his own words. He's deterred from game plans. He hasn't listened to coaches you know what I mean? He's made mistakes in there. He got viciously knocked out by the guy that Israel just beat. You know, luckily, I think that training session, the week he was out there with him, you know, paid off for him as well. But I, I don't think we're being, I disagree with Ryan Park in the chat, but keep them coming. We have uh, more stuff to get to. And again, I'll scroll. You guys are bringing some great, great comments and questions. And listen, while you're doing that, we ask you this, leave a like or hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. I think you'll get a lot of stuff there, but that really, really helps out the channel. It really helps out us. And we do this every week so you can count on it. All right. But give us some, help us get some more visibility out there. Hit that like button. I want to wait two seconds, hit the like, and we're going to continue. All right. So the next topic, obviously, you know, we're talking about what went wrong for Israel Adesanya. I already talked about what his coach said. He lost four rounds to one. Most of this was on the feet, open space, right? However, in spite of all that, Dana White is leaning towards an immediate rematch versus Strickland. Are you on board, yay or nay, Danny? No. Part of immediate rematches, um, I'm not for this. Adesanya is coming off just an immediate rematch against Poetan. I think an immediate rematch is warranted if you have a long, long um, track record of title defenses and then you lose the belt. Okay. You get a, a little get-out-of-jail-free card to skip the line and get back into a, a championship fight. And he already used that card against Poatan, and he recovered his belt, props to him. 
but he he just can't get unlimited just because you're the champion. That means you're gonna have to you lose twice in order for you to like legitimate lose your position as a a championship fighter. So um, I think it's time to move on. Um, I don't think that Asanya has to go all the way to the back of the line and then amount a, a crazy win streak in order to get back into a title fight. But at least give us one. At least give us one. We saw Whitaker lose his belt to Adesanya. He didn't get that privilege. And he had to fight some tough dudes on his way back to the title. So um, give Adesanya somebody else. Um, maybe do that Drickus Duplessis fight. I, I don't know. Yes. And then give uh, Hamza Shimaev, if he beats Paulo Costa, uh, Strickland or, or vice versa. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's time that we, we get this division rolling and we get some uh, other names out there outside of Adesanya fighting for a championship belt. All right, we got an A. How about you, Goes? How do you feel about this? Like I say, that's what Dana White is leaning on. Of course, he'll always fall back on Don't Ask Me on Fight Night. Tuesday, we'll discuss it in the matchmaker meeting. But I ask you, yay or nay? I mean, if they did it, I wouldn't flip tables over. But I agree with Danny. I, I think right now is a good opportunity that can kind of benefit both sides. Like, let's... Let's freshen up the division, right? We've been seeing Israel Adesanya in these fights and then a rematch. I don't know that we want to do that again. We can freshen up the division, put somebody else in there. And I think it might actually be a good thing for Israel Adesanya, right? Like he seemed very puzzled at the end of the fight. His corner seemed puzzled. We kind of didn't really have an idea what was going on. So maybe what he needs is just a little bit of time off and, and maybe seeing other people fight for this belt will kind of uh, reinvigorate that hunger and get him back to where he needs to be because the Israel Adesanya that showed up on Saturday night, he's not going to be able to get it done. He needs to dig deep and figure this all out. I like the Drikas Diplessy angle. I think it makes sense because, you know, you look at the UFC and obviously Drikas is kind of in their doghouse right now. Um, <laughs> we know how they handle things and this is probably their way of maybe punishing him, right? Guess what? We're still going to give you the fight, but now it's not for a title. Make that happen because it's a fight that I don't think the fans want to lose out on. And if you give Drikas another opponent, it's possible that we never see this fight again, right? Let's give the fans what they want, give Israel and Drikas what they want. I, I think that could kind of make sense, but um, I think this is a, a perfect time to just freshen things up in that division. All right, we got two nays. Is it unanimous, Nolan King, or do you see some positivity in saying let's run it back? No, it's, it's unanimous. For me, I mean, looking at title fights, I kind of – think there are three things that should warrant a rematch. Uh, one of them would be some sort of controversy or some sort of question mark or some sort of did he get caught or she get caught. Then there's, oh, this champion's been dominant for so long that this loss was an outlier within itself. We saw Izzy lose recently, so that's out the window. Then the third thing would be that there's nobody in the, in the wings. There's, you know, the division's in a weird place. Maybe, uh, you know, a lot of the top contenders are coming off losses, but we have a guy. We have Drikas Duplissi waiting in the wings. Uh, we have fresh matchups. There are people that haven't fought Sean Strickland. I mean, Hamza Chimaev, if he goes out there and beats Paulo Costa a month from now, we could be mentioning him as potentially the guy that should get the next shot. So for me, I, I don't think that that meets the criteria, but I will say I don't think that the UFC necessarily always goes by that sort of criteria. So they don't always go by the merit base. They don't always necessarily do – uh, what I would do. Um, so for me, I think Dana, the fact that he is, um, you know, the guy that doesn't make fights on fight night, making a fight on the fight night makes me think that that fight is going to happen. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it shouldn't happen, but I think it probably will. 
I think Aljamain Sterling's kind of privately hoping he does. That way he can follow suit. But this is the most inconsistent company when it comes to these types of decisions, which kind of keeps us on on our heels, I guess. Um, But we might have gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves going into topic three. So let me settle things down and get a a bit here. Let me ask you guys this. Regardless of his next opponent, does Izzy need time off in your guys' eyes? We'll go around the horn one more time. Back to Danny. It's impossible to know. I mean, he he didn't look great, but it's impossible to know. Was it a factor of Sean Strickland just being vastly superior? Um, Or was it a factor of him being maybe injured and we don't know and and it's undisclosed? Or was it a factor of him not taking him seriously? Or was it even a factor of age? Keep in mind, Israel Desanya is 34 years of age and he's been fighting in the sport for quite some time so maybe maybe we're starting to see the beginning of a decline we we don't know so it's hard for me to say that time is the answer here what i do think is we we do got to see him back and it's not like he's been fighting he's been extremely active and he's been fighting back to back back to back and you go like Aljamain sterling okay take some time off because clearly your body needs it he fought in april in miami that's a decent amount of time in between fights uh we saw Poatan, who's the guy that got knocked out that night fight much sooner than Adesanya. So I I, I don't want to just slap <laughs> true. time as in it's like a, a, a remedy for everything. I quite frankly don't know what went wrong for Adesanya. So um, maybe it's time, maybe it's not. Uh, but I guess just fight again. Fight again, a, a top contender, see where we're at, see if he's still one of the best in the world, if not the best, and then we take it from there. But um, I, I'm hesitant to recommend time off uh, given that I don't know what went wrong with him. All right. How about you guys? What do you think, man? Time off or no? I think a little bit. Yeah. I don't see how it can hurt. Um, really just kind of get your mind right. It's tough. You know, holding holding that, that belt is everybody's after you. Everybody's criticizing you. Everybody's comparing you to other people, right? To Anderson Silva. It's a lot of pressure. And I think uh, maybe take a little bit time off mentally, figure things out, and then go back with your coaches and figure out what the hell happened in the fight tactically physically um figure out what went wrong in that fight for you i think that's going to take a little bit of time and of course you got to let the body heal so I, I think that could benefit him and there's so many other people behind him right now or not well in that division let that kind of play out a little bit too so i don't see how it can hurt him ryan thebo in the chat says no rematch adesanya needs time off from his very active schedule he did look soft and sluggish during the fight Profound Dreamer says Adesanya versus DDP and Kepsa says, was the card a pay-per-view worthy? I'll answer that one. On paper, no. But coming out of it, it was a damn great night of fights. Nolan, do you have any th- thoughts on Izzy and what do you think, man? Could this guy benefit from some time off or is what got him to the dance, that activity, maybe just the recipe for Adesanya? Yeah, I, I think it wouldn't hurt, like Ghost said. For me, it's just the the activity level of Izzy. I mean, he's fought um, you know, looking at his record here since February 2020, which was um, just doing the math in my head, I think 19 months ago, he's fought five times. So for me, that's pretty active. That's very active for a champion, one of the more active champions I think we've seen. So I don't think time off would necessarily hurt unless, you know, he's just so motivated that this has really lit the fire under him that he needs to get really capitalize on it and get back in there now. Um, but only he knows, man. I think a lot of these things we're talking about right now are a bit speculatory in that. We haven't heard from him. We don't have any idea what's going on. So um, a lot of this is guesswork for me, but I certainly think as a guy that's, you know, fought essentially every four months for about, uh, you know, a year and a half or, or a little longer, I think uh, I think 
you know, that, that, that that's a little bit of time would benefit him. All right. Guys, question three, topic three, is very similar to what we've been discussing, except we're going to unpack it a little bit better here. This middleweight division is crazy. So let me lay out some facts for you, and then you guys can chime in, weigh in, tell me what you think is the best for the uh, the division, you know, as a fan, which we all are as media members, maybe from the UFC side, whatever. So you got Pajeda, who is kind of a contender at light heavyweight right now, right? He could be fighting for a title, although it's not locked in just yet. But he's the guy that started the whole downfall for Sean Strickland last year when he knocked him out. Then they became buddies. Strickland trained with him for a week. Looks like he gave him some pointers. Who knows? And uh, and like Nolan was talking to us about pre-show, it, it could even be that Fajita doesn't want to go down there because of maybe that possible relationship. Okay, we got Hamzat versus Costa at UFC 294 next month in October. Both guys are highly regarded. A one-time title challenger in Costa. Uber popular is Hamza Shemaev, although he hasn't fought in middleweight in a while. In a minute, you can't count the catch weight. It was supposed to be at welterweight. You can't count the Holland fight. But it's been a year since we've seen him. Then you got Cannonier, who weighed in. And oftentimes, Dana will tell us, of course he's next. He weighed in. He was the alternate, which was what he said about Colby Covington. Although I remember Pavlovich weighing in a few times, and nothing's been automatic with him. So there's some inconsistency there. We already talked about should easy rematch. And let's not forget, Drikus was the number one contender. But like Go said, he could be in a possible doghouse right now because he didn't take the fight. Although, according to him and his camp, there was an injury involved. I threw a lot at you guys, and I didn't even mention Bobby Knuckles, who was, I think, 12-0 and against anyone but Adesanya prior to taking the loss to Drikas Duplessis. But recency bias would probably maybe ax him out of the way. All right, so a lot to unpack. Goes, you're first. I think you got to figure out what it is you want to do with, with Dracus Diplicy, right? Like, where does he stand with the company? Figure that out. You got to figure out Jared Cannon here. He weighed in, right? Um, you would think that he's the guy that probably makes the most sense. He's got to win over the current champion. But if I'm the UFC, I'm probably thinking that that may not be the most sexiest matchup for you. So then you look at Costa and Hamzat. The numbers don't really back them up. However, Hamzat Shemaev, you know the UFC... They just want to promote the hell out of him. And his road is probably a lot shorter than everyone else's. You imagine the fireworks between Sean Strickland and Hamzat Shemaev. Like, I don't even know if that makes it to the actual fight. It'll probably be a trilogy before they even step foot in the octagon. So there's so much to do. I remember one time Dana White did almost like an unofficial tournament, right, at light heavyweight, where he told, like, Shogun, Bader, um, Machida. It was something along the lines he said something like, Show me something, you know, whoever stands out, that's who's going to be next. And I think he might be in one of those situations where he can do that, where he could just tell these guys, look, show me something. And whoever comes out of this gets that shot. But it, there's a lot of decisions that need to be made first, though. Dracos de Placid, how does he stand with the company? Israel Asanya, does he even want to fight right now? And then Jared Cannon here, right? I mean, just the other day, wasn't he kind of scolding people saying, hey, he filled in as a backup. That usually means you're the automatic guy. It's not always like that, but we'll have to see how it plays out. But I, I think this might be one of them show me opportunities. It was actually UFC on Fox goes that you're referring to Shogun versus Vera in the co-main event. Lyoto Machido was going to fight Ryan Bader and he did and he knocked him out. And Marisa Shogun who was going to fight Brandon Vera and he finished him as well. And yeah, that was basically the little unofficial four man tournament to get a title shot. So 
Good reference there. All right, Nolan, unpack this, man. Make some sense out of this. Pretend you're in that war room and it's Tuesday right now. Yeah, it's 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 great that for matchmaking purposes, I think that Sean Strickland's champion. There's some interesting matchups that you can make with him. There's, uh, you know, there's the rematch. There's all the stuff we just talked about. There's Hamzat. There's Drikas. Um, but kind of those contender bouts, those title eliminators are a little bit more messy when you look at it. I mean, you have Robert Whitaker there. You have Marvin Vittori there. You have Jared Cannon here there. But it's kind of like a round robin of, of people that have already kind of fought. Like, you know, so really the only guy that, that kind of makes this interesting is Drikas. I mean, he has a lot of, besides his fight against Rob, I mean, there's some fresh matchups for him there. So, you know, is he going to have to fight a Vittori? Is he going to have to fight a Jared Cannonier uh, next? Kind of as that, I don't want to call it punishment, but that sort of, hey, you should have, you had your shot and now you got to earn it again sort of opportunity. So um, I think Hamzat, again, big circle on, on his fight coming up. I think he's a real X factor here in terms of, if he goes out there and just runs through Paulo Costa, would the UFC you know, look at it as, hey, look at Hamzat versus Strickland. I mean, certainly there's a, a route to victory there for Hamzat. Like maybe this would be the time. Maybe he's just so, uh, such a hot commodity that they would they would backtrack on the Izzy fight or, or, you know, Izzy waits out a little bit and Hamzat fights Strickland. So it's kind of a really weird time at middleweight. Um, it's broken my brain multiple times in recent months as, as my least favorite division usually in terms of from top to bottom. Um, uh-huh. It's been very exciting and interesting. I think, uh, particularly with those top contender fights I'm, I'm intrigued there's a lot a lot of a lot of it's a big puzzle that needs to be figured out right now Nolan I'm with you man it's a division where starting with Anderson for so long and then Izzy maybe not as long of a reign as Anderson but pretty dominant it was just clearly like someone getting fed to a lion you know and now it does seem fresh and that's why maybe I'm a little anti-rematch no disrespect to Izzy but he kind of had one before I don't want to ro- go down that road again Danny, your thoughts, man. You're in the war room now. Yeah, so I always, not always, but 90% of the time, I like going with the sporting side of things. So in this case, I would give the title shot to Drikas Duplessis because he is the most deserving contender at the moment. And no, I don't want to see an immediate rematch. Drikas Duplessis beat Robert Whitaker. And look, if you beat Robert Whitaker, I don't care how, how you get it done. In this case, very convincingly, you're fighting for the belt next. But we know that he is likely in the doghouse, as you guys mentioned, because he did not take this fight with Adesanya. So um, being realistic, I think Hamza Shimaev is going to end up fighting for the belt. Um, he is an international star. That is a guy that can uh, fight multiple times a year. He's very active, rarely gets injured outside of the COVID thing. At 185, you don't really have to worry about the weight misses. Uh, fans absolutely adore him. Uh, he's aggressive. He can talk trash. He also has that Muslim background, so he uh, captures that audience as well. Um, I mean, if, if you just look at Hamzat, the UFC, I'm sure they're just savoring at the opportunity to put a belt on him just so they can promote him even further. Plus, he's young, so he just looks like he's going to be uh, fighting for the UFC in big fights for, for quite some time. So um, I think that's what they're waiting for. I think they're going to wait to see if he beats Paulo Costa, and if he does, which is a tough fight, um, I think he's getting the title shot. But in my opinion, if I were in the war room, I'd vouch for Drikas Duplessis. I think he deserves the shot. Uh, he beat Whitaker, and he should be next. Hmm. So you think they might wait for October? And yeah. if they do, do you match up Izzy with DDP? You think that's too hot of a fight? With Well, you know, it's got heat is what I mean, that, yeah. they, shouldn't, that they should make it happen even though it's not for a title. Anybody want to take that? 
They should, yeah. I mean, Ghost kind yeah. of talked about it a little bit. Uh, that fight may never come if, if you, you know, uh, match them up with with other fighters, whether it's a, a decline from Izzy or Driggs Duplessy loses and then the timelines just don't line up. I think that fight, if available, you have to make it. It's a big fight. I would go DDP versus Adesanya. DDP is a little injured, so you are getting better. Adesanya needs a little bit of time off. Early January, let's get that one going. I think I'd reward Cannoneer because he's looked good since his title shot. He did his job. He is getting a little older, but he showed up and he was the alternate, which, look, I know he got paid and he probably got treated well, but it seems to kind of follow some sort of a suit. I think I would do that one. Now, granted, we just saw Cannoneer versus Strickland. Maybe the promotion doesn't want that or the fans don't want it, and I'm also not going to pretend like, I don't think he's the biggest draw out of a lot of the names we just mentioned. I get that. But sometimes it's not all about that, you know. And look, I'm wearing a jersey, a, a Niners jersey. Last year in the NFC Championship, we lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. You do not think that if I was the president of the NFL or the commissioner of the NFL, I would have said, nah, let's just go with the Niners against KC. You know I mean? I can't do – the NFL doesn't do that. It's whoever wins keeps going. You know, there's got to be something to that. So I agree with you, Danny, there. In you know the sporting aspect, um, but the UFC thinks numbers. You know, it's a business. It's a it's a business that does very well. Who knows? All right. Shout out to the Niners who crushed Pittsburgh. By the way, that was an easy game. Topic four: Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou had a press conference this past week. They spoke first, then they squared off. What did you think of their interactions? And Fury's statement, where I believe he took it too far. He said he could also beat. Nganu in an MMA match. Nolan, your thoughts? Yeah, it's cool, man. You know, I don't think anybody expected this whole thing to be the spectacle of like a Mayweather McGregor or anything, but it's 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 cool own little thing, um, or big thing, I guess. Two big guys that two heavyweights and champions of the world in their respective sports. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm always somebody. If, if you guys have heard me speak before, I like things that are a little outside the box. Obviously, Francis has uh, carved his own unique path throughout his career, and. This is a very, uh, is it opening the door for, for more fighters to test the market when the right opportunities arise, potentially? Um, I thought the press conference was good. Uh, obviously, Tyson's personality carried it, um, which is, I think, what we expect. I was a little surprised at just how, um, how much weight he's carrying. Um, I'm not sure what his plan is in terms of what kind of weight he wants to come into this fight weighing in at, but he certainly looked a lot heavier than I was expecting. I think he even kind of made fun of himself for, for being – uh, kind of a little maybe overweight there, um, as you can see in the, the video. But, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. This thing's only, you know, a month and a half away. I'll be very intrigued to see how much of the audience in the, in the mainstream that this will capture. I mean, McGregor and, and Mayweather were such big stars that they not only transcended their own sport, uh, but their own combat sport, but just kind of all a combat sport. So I'm not necessarily sure. Um, maybe Tyson Fury does to a certain degree. I'm not necessarily sure Francis has that sort of appeal. But I still think, obviously, it's going to draw a lot of eyeballs. We've seen this recipe before with the influencers versus MMA fighters. There's uh, Specifically on the MMA side, there seems to be a lot of uh, interest that can be generated from our fan base. So um, fun, you know, good for them. I uh, hope they both get – obviously, they're both going to get paid a good amount of money. And um, I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily a uh, – it's as close as of a fight as Tyson Fury was even making it sound like. But – it's heavyweights and anything can happen. And I think that that's kind of the intrigue for me is um, it has that one punch factor that maybe uh, some of the other crossover fights wouldn't have just because of the division. Nolan, what's more likely Francis to beat 
Fury in boxing or Fury to beat Francis in MMA? Oh, I mean, Francis probably beating Fury in, in boxing would be more likely. I think uh, there's a reason we don't see the jump. You know, we talk about this all right. the time. I, I just think uh, at least Francis, you know, has to box in MMA. You know, Fury doesn't have to do anything else in, in boxing. So I think that's an easy, easy answer for me. Yeah, and I think both of them are highly doubtful, by the way. But I think I agree with you exactly. Uh, I can't believe he actually said it. Uh, Danny, how about you, man? What did you think of the press conference, their interaction, the face-off? Holy cow. <laughs> Fury's a big dude, man. Francis is all of 6'4". Yeah, it, uh, that that whole thing was kind of weird. Um, I'm I'm with Nolan in the sense that I don't know how well this is going to do because the McGregor-Mayweather thing was interesting because both were so... Uh, such big stars. I mean, they still are obviously that they captivated a level of or 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 a reach that I don't think Tyson Fury and Ngannou do. Now, Ngannou and and Fury obviously very widely popular, but I, I don't think they're nearly as big as Mayweather and McGregor, at least for the time. Um, and also another thing was that McGregor would just was an amazing trash talker. And that kind of cost a lot of interest because obviously it lent itself for a lot of clips, a lot of highlights, reels, whatever, quote cards, uh, headlines. But in Ganu, in this scenario, he's very quiet. Um, he's not really a natural trash talker. He kind of tried to engage a little bit, but um, he's not really steering the pot as far as the whole thing looking very intense. I feel like most of the promotional side of things is kind of, Uh, falling on the shoulders of Tyson Fury. And his whole angle has been to cast some some doubt on the result of the fight, actually saying that he may lose, that Francis Ngannou actually has a better shot than Usyk or even Joshua and even Bob Arum's out there saying, like, look at the power. I mean, you just got to analyze these UFC tapes. Uh, you know, and I, <laughs> I'm not sure he's aware of this thing called UFC Fight Pass and streaming, but... Um, <laughs> You know, he keeps talking about these UFC tapes and all this and that. And and I don't really know if that's going through. I think a lot of people kind of see it as, as what it is, right? Um, which is it's a big payday for Francis Ngannou and people are happy that he's getting it, which is another whole weird aspect. I think MMA is the only sport where fans actually actively root for certain fights to be made because their favorite fighters are getting paid. I don't see that in the NFL. I don't see people going, oh, thank God Cristiano Ronaldo went to Saudi Arabia. He's making so much money. Good for him. And if you go to any other sport, I don't really see like the same level of, of happiness for these athletes making money. I think this is what it is. It's a payday. Um, it's pretty clear that Ngannou's going to enter compromise given that boxing's not his thing. Um, it's going to be weird and interesting to watch two huge dudes going at it. But um, outside of that, um, I, I do wonder how, how much success this pay-per-view is going to have. All right, goes finish up and don't shy away from what you told me yesterday about the part where Fury thinks he, he can beat Nganu in an MMA match. Yeah, no, I'll definitely get to that part. Look, I'm not too bitter about giving these guys my money. It, it has a different feel uh, to it than than what Mayweather and McGregor had. With with that, they had so much smack talk that you're kind of just tuning in to see somebody get served up versus does he have a chance? Like, I mean. You'd be a fool if you thought he had a chance against Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather just doesn't get touched by some of the most elite athletes in the world. How is Conor McGregor going to do it, right? So in this particular case, though, they get my money because they're presenting something that we just haven't seen. And that's the best guy in boxing against the best guy in MMA, right? The, the, 
the monster that Francis Ngannou is. That's what kind of makes it interesting. Now, Tyson Fury's scaring me a little bit. He doesn't really come in ripped if it's a boxing match, but he doesn't look the way he looked at the press conference. Is he not taking it serious? I think he needs to. You know, Francis Ngannou does pack a punch. Let's be honest here. He's not going to go out there. Francis Ngannou's not going to outbox Tyson Fury. That's just not going to happen. But power punches, we've seen Tyson Fury get hit with some good ones. That's what scares me on the Ngannou side. We saw Deontay Wilder hit him with a shot that just completely annihilated him. He wasn't even moving. And then he just sat up like The Undertaker and continued to fight. Uh, so even if Francis Ngannou does hit him with his best shot, Tyson Fury's been hit with some pretty hard shots, right? So I I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be enough to keep us all interesting on the on the night of now. What Tyson Fury said about coming to MMA, I think you have to take him a little bit. Like I don't think that fight will ever happen. By the way, I don't think he'll ever come to MMA. But him saying he thinks he can win, of course he's gonna say that. He wants us talking about it. That's what we're doing right now, right? But look. When you look at Francis Ngannou as a mixed martial artist, it's not like he's got this crazy wrestling game or the submission game. We know him for knocking people silly, right, in mixed martial arts. I don't know that it's that crazy to think that Tyson Fury, if Francis Ngannou chose to stand with him in mixed martial arts, that Tyson Fury can't find that chin with MMA gloves. It's possible. It's not the, it's not the craziest thing, right? We saw Ray Mercer do it. He came in. He did it really quick. What you need to do is you have to have a game plan if you're a mixed martial artist the way Randy Couture had. And that's, I'm not messing around. This is my world and it's mixed martial arts and I'm diving for a leg and I'm going to take this guy down and make him look silly. Francis Ngannou would need to do something like that. But if he even stands with him for a little bit, of course, every second that you're standing there with a guy that packs a punch like Tyson Fury, it is possible. I don't know. The way the shape that Fury looked in, I don't even think he could get through an MMA camp. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't even know if he would do an MMA camp to tell you the truth, because it does all this does just seem so comical. I just want to get it done with. But I will be cheering for the MMA guy. I always stand for the MMA guy. He packs a punch. Heavyweight's different from what was the Mayweather fight comp- contested at? I think junior middleweight at 154 with uh, McGregor. So the one hitter quitters, you know, that might offset things a little bit. And and to be fair, Francis trained boxing before he trained MMA. So there's probably some rusty skills in there somewhere. Who knows? Um, but I, I don't give Fury, I give him a 0.001 chance, whatever the opposite of 99.99 is. I give him that chance to win uh, in MMA. Anyhow, uh, good stuff, guys. Let's move on here. So this Saturday is Noche UFC, Alexa Grasso. Will defend her flyweight title versus Valentina Shashenko. This is an immediate rematch for Shashenko, who lost her title earlier this year via submission. Can Bullet regain her strap, or does the Mexican hold serve and add to the celebrations of September 16th? Danny Segura. I I'm I was looking at the odds. Alexa is a slight underdog. I wonder if that's going to shift as we get closer to to the fight, but. Basically, it's it's pretty even, and I think that's remarkable because let's not forget back in March, Alexa Grasso was a huge underdog, and people gave her very little chance and dismissed her ability of, of becoming champion, and here she is defending her belt on September 16th, Mexican Independence Day, and all of a sudden, she is pretty much a pick with one of the greatest of all time, certainly the greatest 
female flyweight of all time in Valentina Shevchenko. So um, I, I'm kind of agreeing with the odds. I think this fight's super, super close. If you watch the first one on the feet, Alexa Grasso was beating Valentina Shevchenko, and Shevchenko had to resort to the wrestling, which made the fight competitive and even pushed the decision, at least on the scoring, towards her until the finish, obviously. Um, so I think this is a very interesting fight. Um, I'm actually going with Alexa Grasso here. I, I, I think it's her time. It's her moment. She's in her prime. Shevchenko has been around for quite some time. Um, and, you know, father time catches everyone. I, I still think she's very elite. I think it's going to be a very competitive fight. But uh, I feel like the adjustments that Shevchenko needs to do are much bigger and harder than the ones that Alexa needs to do. Because on the feet, again, she was piecing up Shevchenko. And uh, once she was able to lower her stance in, in the later rounds, then we saw a different fight. Um, so I'm going with Alexa Grasso here. Plus she's going to have, you know, the Mexican fan base behind her. I think just everything about this moment just kind of, uh, lends itself for, uh, kind of like a fairy tale. So, um, I'm picking Alexa Grasso. I think she'll get it done. And I think it's going to be a big night for, for Mexican MMA. Skyvies and El Daddy is going with Valentina. He says all day and I'm going with Valentina. And as you were talking, Danny, I thought, man. Should I bet him I'll shave my head versus your mustache? But I don't know if I'm ready because I'm losing hair every day. I'm got there's less and less at the top of this dome. Am I ready to just take it all off versus that? I mustache? mean, you got to do it now, right? Yeah, it's got to be done now. All right, fuck it, let's do it. Nice, <laughs> I like it. All right. I hate it. Uh, I hate all right, it yeah, too. Let's do it. I hate it too, man. I might have to call Jimmy Scissors and say, "Take it all off. Let's see what it looks like." I'm gonna shave off, like, well, if I lose. Damn, my birthday's coming up too. I'd be almost bald for my birthday. <laughs> Holy cow! I gotta rethink this. Did we already shake? Shit! Come on, yeah, man. Yeah. Come through. Come through. I feel terrible too because I'm part Mexican, and I'm all about the 16th and the celebrations. But I'm also part Peruvian, and Valentina does rep Peru as well. And I'm also part. I love my Harryan, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. What did I just walk into? What did we just do, Danny? I don't know. Uh, um, who's next here? I, I've lost my train of thought. Goes. Your thoughts here, man. Who who Does she regain, regain the strap or does the Mexican hang on to her belt? ¿Qué dices tú? Yeah, I, I think my analysis has changed now that I know that George could potentially lose his hair and Danny his mustache. With Look, with Alexa Grasso, you go back to that last fight. It was so amazing. You know, it's an upset. She didn't just get the win. She got the finish. And I don't know. I, I feel like she has improved as a fighter, and I don't know that she gets that credit from people. I think she'll do fairly well in this fight, but you know, I feel like Valentina Shevchenko, she's one of the scariest gals to be just staring right in front of her. You look at her resume, everything that she's done, uh, her strengths. She's scary, just normal Valentina, but she's pissed off Valentina right now, and that is not a fun Valentina to be around. I just feel like she is dead set on not just getting this victory back, but really making Alexa Grasso look bad in the process. It's going to be a close fight because I don't feel like people respect Alexa Grasso as much as they should. And I don't think it'll be that easy for Valentina Shevchenko, but I think she will get it done. And I think she, she might actually even get the finish in this one. It's going to be a great fight though. And with this on the line, I am all in. I'm scared. Stakes um, are high. Danny, can I shave it after my birthday? When's your birthday? 26th of September. Mine's the 17th. Okay. <laughs> as long as we go post-birthday. Yeah, the bet, the bet's on. How about Boo no, in no, the no. chat? It's Boo in the, the chat says, 
Grasso win was a fluke, very questionable, and I'm high-fiving him, right? And then he says, but Valentina's looking old now. Oh, my God, take the high-five back. All right, Nolan King, what says you, man? The Lomo Saltado con una Cusqueña or the Enchiladas con Salsa Verde and a Modelo? <laughs> take both, trust me. Both, yeah, seriously, man. I, I'm never going to say no to either one of those. But, yeah, I mean, you guys kind of hit a lot of the, the nails on the head here. Um, it's, it's an intriguing fight. It's close. I think when we talked about the Strickland win earlier, I kind of was saying that there was no doubt, um, you know, went with his win, and that's why they didn't want to, that they didn't need a rematch. And I get the opposite vibe for this one. Like there was a little bit of doubt for me that that was the most likely outcome. Now it could be. I mean, I felt the same way going into the rematch between Kamaru and Leon Edwards. So I'm kind of also getting that sort of vibe, which is telling me like maybe you're being too biased to the past to what we've seen from Valentina. You're not giving enough credit to Alexa Grasso. But I think by any sort of angle that we look at this fight, it is very difficult to predict on paper. Um, so for me, I'm leaning towards Shevchenko just because I think the body's a work. I, I still would lean towards her, but that's not always the best way to pick a fight. There's just so many intangibles when it comes to this one. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see Valentina coming off a loss and, and that crowd, uh, like Danny said, with, with the Mexican fans behind Alexa, will kind of push that gives her. Um, it's good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this uh, this main event. and. Um, very intrigued by it. And the division, let's talk about the flyweight division too right now. I mean, this is a very, yeah. a division that's in a really good spot, I think. I think in the next year or so, we're going to start to see it get even kind of more packed up there at the top. We got Blanchfield, we got Manon Ferro, we got Macy Barber, who's coming off of an injury, yeah. had surgery. So well, there's there's a lot of fights there that are not only just like now, I mean, there's the one step away fights, and then there's kind of these two step away fights that are even happening. So Flyweight's in a good spot, and I think a lot – kind of just everybody's sitting around waiting to see this next chip, how it falls before uh, before everything else gets figured out. Very impactful fight. Casey, can I ask the, a question? Vicious, yeah, Miranda Maverick, there's a lot of good, good flyweights, man, out there. Uh, go ahead, guys. George, how much do you respect the audience, the chat room, the people that come and support us on this program? I respect them a lot, but I really would appreciate it if you guys would give us a like as Ghost Talks. Come on, hit that like button, folks. Go ahead, Ghost. And while you do that, since you respect them so much, shouldn't they be the ones that decide what happens in a draw? I feel like they kind of both have to shave, right? Oh, my God. No, we both get out of it. I don't know. Well, I'm, I, in a draw, in a draw, well, I got to get rid of this. In a loss, I'll take the L. Oh, hell no. Draw, I'm not shaking my head. Hell no. That's a step too far. How about, in, how about oh. in a draw, goes and Nolan? <laughs> Show up with Mohawks. How's that? <laughs> it's not likely. You guys do it. Join the party. Draw? Goes, this is your fault, if it's man. A draw, you two show up with Mohawks. <laughs> should have kept your mouth shut. We were playing with house money. Draw, draws, draws aren't likely, so you guys should really go, fuck it. I'm in, too. Yeah, a mohawk yeah. is extreme, though. Danny can grow back a mustache in probably like four days, right? Let's be honest here. <laughs> George, you could wear a hat. we got to run around with a mohawk. That seems extreme. <laughs> I will do this. And, and, George, you know how much you I hate a beanie. This. I, I'll grow a mustache for one spinning back click, but that's it, and I'll, I'll shave it off. But I'm not going to come on, Mohawk? All right, Nolan, what about you? Yeah, we'll do that. That seems like a fair bet. <laughs> hmm, with, with November coming, these guys are really taking one for the team. All right, let's yeah. continue here. Uh, Israel Adesanya had an impressive career so far, guys. He's won the title three times. One was in the interim and defended it five times. I'm not going to count the interim title events. His record stands at 24 and 3. Many have regarded him as the greatest lightweight, sorry, middleweight in the history of MMA. Others have maintained that it's Anderson Silva. What say you? I'm kind of rushing through it, goes because I need quick answers. Goes. That's a tough one, man. Um, there are times where you look at Anderson Silva's fights and you think uh, 
what are we doing here, right? Like, this doesn't really feel like a competitive matchup. As with Izzy, you feel like it's killer after killer after killer. That being said, Izzy in his prime kind of got his lights put out, right? And I, I feel like it's Anderson Silva by a hair still. Nolan? Yeah, it's it's for me at this point in time, if the, if the world ended tomorrow, I would still be, and I was asked right before it ended, who's the best middleweight <laughs> of all time? I would lean with Anderson. Wow, that'd be some timing, wouldn't it? All right, how about you, Dan? Yeah, it's still Anderson Silva. I mean, he's got the longest uh, winning streak in UFC history. Um, he's got, I believe, the most title defenses uh, at middleweight. Uh, middleweight. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the numbers still back him up. Plus, again, Anderson Silva, once he stopped being dominant, he stopped being dominant. But during his reign, I mean, nobody could touch him. Israel Asanya has had some close calls. Like, remember, the Joel Romero fight was hard to judge. Um, you know, some of the fights, uh, the second fight with Whitaker as well, he lost the fight against uh, Pereira, then not, now lost to Strickland. So, um, yeah, I think Adesanya, I mean, sorry, uh, Silva still has that spot for sure. Okay. And we're not shitting on Izzy. I know it's been a bad weekend for him and, and we know he beat Anderson Silva as well, but I think still resumes, you know, Anderson Silva is pretty impressive, but I think Izzy's got time to catch him. All right. Next one. Nolan, oh, sorry, Conor McGregor, once again. Very active on fight night on social media. He always is, especially after pay-per-views. He was heaping praise on UFC 293, Laura Sanko, shout out to her, and the UFC as a promotion. But at some point, he engaged Alexander Volkanovsky, and somehow a possible fight at UFC 300 came up. But I got it got me thinking, guys, if McGregor were to beat Volkanovsky, and I know this is some far-out stuff because cutting to 145 seems almost impossible for the guy. I think he's 245 right now. But if he did and he beat him, would that make him the featherweight goat? May I remind you, he's also beaten Aldo and Holloway, the other guys that get discussed in this topic. Nolan? I think my brain just kind of melted in that in that <laughs> universe. But uh, no, uh, no, I think longevity is a big part of it. You know, we've seen so many fighters come in and kind of beat the goats in the division, like Chris Weidman beat Anderson Silva. It doesn't necessarily make him the goat, you know. So for me, it would have to be. Uh, him sticking around at a weight class, racking up some wins and, and some consistency and some longevity before any sort of uh, goat conversation comes up. So you would also say Matt Sarah's not the goat because he beat GSP. You know, it's this is where we we really spit some fire takes here, and I know that's maybe controversial, but yeah, yeah, I agree. How about you, Danny? I agree with Nolan. Yep. It wouldn't make him the goat. No. He did beat the other two though. In their prime. Well, maybe not Holloway, but for sure Aldo goes. He'd be the goat at the press conference because they kind of wouldn't be able to say much. But, yeah, if we look at statistics and just the way things lay out overall, I agree with Danny and uh, Nolan McGregor over here. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. We do this every Monday. And for the next few weeks, it'll be 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Uh Dana White Contender Series, the weigh-ins are right after us. Once that series is done, in about a month and a half, we'll go back to our normal start time of noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I'm not begging you, but I'm kindly asking you to really hit the like and subscribe. The channel is full of incredible content, like this weekly show, uh, like the interviews that we all do as part of the staff, pre- and post-fight coverage of every event. Junkie's always present. It would really mean a lot to us. Nolan King's up for Journalist of the Year at the World MMA Awards. Go to worldmmaawards.com. Give him a vote. And MMA Junkie's up for Best Media Source. On a separate stream right now, check out the Dana White Contender Series. We're out of here. Go out and be a champion.